You're listening to Ember Weekend, your weekend recap of all things Ember. This is episode 42. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from Hashrocket HQ, and today's episode is called Start Your Engines. And unsurprisingly, our first uh, our first comment is going to, our first uh, item to discuss is going to be Ember Engines, because holy crap, Ember Engines are here. Cue the applause. Holy crap. It's so cool. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Am I, I editing uh... this week? Am I adding the applause? Yeah, you have to add the applause. Ah, oh, man. All right. It's going to go on for way too long and probably be too loud. <laughs> All right. So anyways, yeah. So Ember Engines have, have uh, landed under a feature flag on Ember, and there's a, an add-on by Dan Gebhardt uh, called Ember Engines, uh, unsurprisingly, that uh, will let you kind of start fiddling with this stuff right now, today. I, I initially, uh, maybe, maybe if you asked me about Ember Engines like two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's I, I know kind of the general principle here. It's you know the idea that you're able to um, componentize your like whole applications and pull them and, and compose them together um, via routes or uh, something I didn't understand at the time was like in template mount points. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, now after looking at this stuff, I am so excited. I can see so many applications for this. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Chase, you want to go through some of the maybe some of the API for Ember engines? Yeah. So so engines can be. Uh, they, there's two different types of engines that are exposed now. There's uh, routable engines, which are you know you're going to have uh, you know an, an entire app and an Ember app that has its own route file that defines something like you know admin, uh, you know like edit you know edit some things like things that you don't want normal users to be on that you can completely segment that off into another another app. And then mount that at a point. Uh, and those are routable engines. And then you have uh, what they call routeless engines, uh, which are kind of just templates. Um, which you could you could basically get this effect right now, um, but you wouldn't have the isolation that you have with this. So so these are things like you want to render. Uh, the example they give was a a, a chat window. Uh, maybe you have like customer support chat or something. That could be its own app, and you can embed it in the template somewhere. It doesn't have to exist now in an iframe or something. Um, and you can just you just uh, use the helper and say mount, you know, Ember Chat. Yeah, this this is going to be super cool. Um, so the 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 way I've been thinking about it is a route a routable uh, engine could be something like an admin panel, like Chase mentioned. And during this period of time, like what when you when you pull it over, uh, at the time of request, the user is not going to necessarily even receive the engine. Is that correct? That's my idea. Like if you don't go to slash admin, you don't get the code that's associated with the engine's code, right? Uh, no, that was something they were working on. Uh, was uh, I can't remember what they called it, like pruning, or uh, they they mentioned that was that didn't exist. If I if I remember correctly, on okay, one of the, okay, on one of the tweets. Because I feel um, like that's just a that's just a if it's not already there, that's just a you know a stone's throw away as like maybe another feature down the road because you could really trim down the size of your your CDN payload um, because whole swaths of your application, if they're not used at the at the present time, wouldn't have to be shipped with the with the main payload. Yeah, they um so uh, somebody somebody mentioned they asked if it, um if if there is any more details on the lazy loading part. Um, right. and the and uh Dan Gebhardt replied with uh, I'd expect some details in the next few weeks. So it's cool. something they're working on. Uh so yeah, lazy loading of of the assets um should reduce, you know, like the size of your the application that the user has to request, which is cool. Um and yeah. it's something that they are working on. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I think would be like such a huge win because you can get very small sections. Say, say I only need to access the admin panel. Well, now my initial load becomes like you know super fast because that's going to be a super tiny app, like just a you know user CRUD actions, for instance. Um, and yeah, the rest of the application can be served when I need it ad hoc down the road. 
Um, so yeah, so that's one that's one aspect that I'm really excited about. Um, putting little like isolated application widgets into specific sections is another thing. The the routeless um, uh, engines, those are things that I didn't think about. I, I was always thinking about from the route first, route first. Um, but this uh, the idea here is that you can have an entire section. Say you have a WYSIWYG editor that's just like this really, uh, you know, like intricate piece of of coding. You can have that in its own repo just like you would with an add-on um and it's like basically a widget has all of its own things it'll probably be able to serialize to the route so if you go to slash um comments and this is a WYSIWYG, WYSIWYG you can go to slash comments show and that route could be handled from this engine i think and then everything just lives in that other thing so you have you could have distributed teams working on just that you could have uh generic add-ons put out that are also engines that you can just include so the, I imagine the engine or the the add-on ecosystem is going to grow dramatically once these engines start becoming more prolific. So I'm really excited about that part too. Yeah, and this could this could totally be used, um, you know, in in existing add-ons that weren't necessarily designed to be uh, engines. Like so, something like maybe Ember SimpleAuth could uh, provide an engine that gave you like a sign-in page or sign-up page. Oh, I didn't even like think about this. authentication. That's such a good idea. Yeah, so um, this is something that, you know, like all you have to do, do is define an engine JS file in your add-on directory um, and you can, you tell it, um, you know, the module pre prefix. Um, apparently you, you also give it a resolver. Uh, I guess that resolver's, you know, um, a resolver just for your app. So it's different than the resolver for the rest of the application. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty easy to set up, very, very small. Uh, and you can add this functionality to existing add-ons. So it's, uh, it's really interesting to see the, the things that, that people come up with and kind of the the separation of concerns that happens in in applications. Yeah, it's going to be I'm I'm really excited about it. I think that I think that we're going to see a lot of creativity around this. Um I I hope, I hope. Uh I've seen some so, so engines are a the similar concept exists in uh Rails and uh, engines exist there as well and and I've seen some really clever applications of things like uh, test runners or JavaScript test runners that you just install this engine and it just gives you a route with all your test files in it um with minimal configuration. Things like that, like just pluggable. I get this awesome feature. Just put it in in my code. There we go. You're off to the races. So I don't know. I'm really excited about this, and it's gonna be cool. Yeah. One one of the other things I I didn't think I didn't think of uh, as a, as a concern for this was uh, when you have initializers and you're trying to initialize, like say you want some you know session injected everywhere. Um, now you have a isolated app that wants to inject something everywhere. And you have your other app that's mounted in. Um, there's a lot of concerns that went around, like you know, not injecting that in the wrong place, because if if you could totally clobber other services, if somebody just installs an add-on, all of a sudden all their stuff stops working because you've clobbered the name. So now they have the applications are namespaced in the resolver. So yeah, but that's really cool. I think oh, so you're you're still you're still thinking about the resolver part of the of the configuration, yeah? Well, I'm just thinking of all the all the work that went into this. Like this is oh, yeah. it's, it's on the surface it seems kind of simple, but then when you think about what actually has to happen you know, an Ember for, you know, one Ember app to load in another Ember app and, you know, request things from it and mount certain parts to it and not right. clobber each other. There was a lot of... And um, have an API more, that makes sense too, you know? Yeah. And even more work than just this. I mean, there was a roadmap that had to happen for this all to happen yeah. uh, so smoothly. So, you know, congrats to the, you know, to the team and to, you know, uh, Dan Gebhardt for putting this all together. So... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So definitely check it out. Um, go. I think there there is a blog post, if I'm not mistaken, we'll link to, and uh, in the readme on Ember Engines that uh, that Djeb put out, uh, Djeb put out. 
has a lot of really good information about how to how to start working with them like right now. So, you know, start your engines. Title reference. See what I did there? The oh, he just, you see what he just the did there? Like, uh, you yeah. know, the family guy thing where he's like, <laughs> love when, when they play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing we want to mention, kind of in passing, uh, because uh, I'm not necessarily familiar with the uh, Golang, but Alex Machnier has been working on a uh, an Ember Go routines. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be an add-on. Uh, right now, there's just a spike on a Twiddle, an Ember Twiddle. Um, but the idea is to allow, what is it, CSPs, I want to say? Um, yeah, CSP. Communicating is, sequential processes. Yes, yes. Uh, the idea is that you can write things that look uh, like synchronous code, but they'll actually be handled asynchronously and in an intelligent way. And uh, one of the things that he mentions uh, specifically in the Twiddle, which we're going to link to, is that uh, promises right now are not cancelable. So um, so eventually eventually there might be that that feature, I'm guessing, is kind of the implication there. But with this, uh, this type of Go routine, you could actually... Uh, cancel some asynchronous behavior and kind of like regain access, I want to say. Um, so it's a little bit over my head. I'm still trying to to digest it all, but it looks really cool. And the demo is pretty sweet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, check it out. It's uh, it's an interesting little spike to play with. Um, you know, if if it's something you're interested in, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's looking for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Michelle Santasirio and Katie Gangler at Code All Day are starting up a new service called Continuous Upgrades. Uh, this is a service that is um, basically like a kind of a la carte upgrades um, for your Ember apps. So they are an, are an Ember consultancy, um, but they're finding that uh, sometimes their clients just need someone to keep their apps up to date so that they don't, uh, when they need a feature, they don't spend you know two weeks just getting the app up to date before any work can get done. So if you're interested in this kind of service, uh, go check it out. There's a, a lot of things they offer. They're very flexible. Um, they can handle enterprise level uh, work so give me give me a shout. Yeah, I was talking. Uh, I was talking to Katie about this uh, a little bit. Um, I want to say on Thursday, and uh, we were talking. We were both kind of exchanging horror stories about how much it can cost to keep your up up your app up to date, your Ember app up to date, or to migrate from a very older, or like a much older version of Ember up to a more current version of Ember. Um, this this cost is not uh, is 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 not. Uh, it's not like unique to Ember. This this would happen in Backbone apps. This would happen in in uh, Angular apps, Rails apps and Rails apps for sure. Uh, there's there's a lot of pain that happens with the upgrade process. And uh, the idea here behind the continuous upgrades is that they're going to go through. They're going to basically do a PR, keep your keep these PRs up to date while you work your way to being able to accept them, and uh, and show you like the 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 I don't know the different practices and give good comments on how to like how to actually do these upgrades. So. You know, it can become a more easy and more regular process. So, uh, we wanted to mention it not only because I think it's a great idea, but also because uh, Katie and Michelle are running a really great uh, shop at Code All Day, and Katie's uh, actually been so kind as to uh, be interviewed on Ember Weekend. So, you should check that episode out if you're interested in learning more about some testing practices and stuff. One of the benefits that I thought of was that uh, with them doing this for just a few clients, um, they'll see the um, you know what 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 things are going to happen with the upgrade from the you know your version to the next version, um, and they'll be able to really quickly respond, like react to it because they've already seen it a few times, uh, much faster than than a developer who you know hasn't touched the project in a little bit, you know, goes to add a feature, bumps the version, and says you know sees a bunch of red. Um, so it's going to be something that they'll they'll be able to use the knowledge that they gain from doing this kind of service to like distribute it out quickly to you know to their clients. So it it'll be um, it seems like 
So it'll almost definitely be cheaper than having in-house developers do just the upgrade process. Feature development is different because the knowing the the domain and and all that kind of stuff is definitely takes a lot more time to dive into. But um, but upgrade should be a lot easier. Bloop. I'm gonna leave that in. All right. So this one is another one we're gonna mention in passing very quickly. But uh, Roman uh, Shafagulin, I, ho- I really hope I'm saying that right. Um, uh, he found a, a uh, he exposed a, a potential vulnerability in Ember. Uh, so uh, many Ember versions are affected all the way back to I want to say like uh, 111. Is that is that the one? I, I can't I can't tell. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even see a version. I just saw upgrade graphs now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's it seems like it's a pretty serious uh, serious vulnerability uh, that allows um, some cross site scripting stuff to happen. So some arbitrary JavaScript can be executed on your page. So it's a very big deal. Um, so upgrade the 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 fix is already in. So it's just a matter of going through your apps and making sure you have the latest version. So uh, if you if you uh, if you if you see that your version is affected, I would definitely recommend going and investigating and making sure that you can update. Um, there's a there's a blog post on the vulnerability that will give you more details. But we wanted to mention it because it seems like a you know it's a it's a pretty big deal when these vulnerabilities come out and uh, upgrading shouldn't be that painful. Uh, so really. Uh, if if you if you even suspect that your version is affected, which it very well could be, uh, go out there and go read the blog post and see what you can do. Yeah, and just to to mention this uh, quickly, there is a uh, after this came out, there was a couple other people who uh, had noticed some security issues, and they just put them on the GitHub page, which is a uh, you know publicly available. Um, and Ember has a, a policy like like most you know large projects like this, where uh, security concerns should be reported kind of in private, so that those um, things can't be exploited. Um, so there's a there's a URL we'll link to in the show notes that is where you know you can send these kind of security concerns. So Eric Elliott wrote another blog post uh, talking about unit tests, and obviously that perked our ears right up. Um, <laughs> there's a yeah, test units are something I like to nerd out about. Uh, testing in general, I like to nerd out about. So uh, in this in this he talks about uh, you know how how to avoid uh, writing allowing bad tests to get into your test suite and you know, why tests uh, are important and how they can, uh, how like the, the things that they should contain to make them valuable to your team. Um, and I think that these are ideas that I've uh, I've thought about as well. And I'm, I'm really excited to see him very, uh, like in a bulleted list kind of explains uh, like five of the things that I think that, you know, these, te- these testing stories help with. And the first one, I'm going to go through them. I know this is kind of like repetitive, but because um, you're going to read the blog post, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, the first one is design aid, and that's uh, basically you get to flesh out the API that you want before you actually write it, and that helps you kind of make the thing that you want to exist without like, ha- you know, just stumbling into it. You don't want to just like keep clumsily writing code and come up with a, an API that that works but isn't what you want. You should say, oh, I want this, and then you know it, it'll give you a more clear perspective on how to implement the, the end result. So I think that is that is something that I've thought about many many times. I use test units specifically to flesh out APIs all the time, like signatures of methods, and you know the way I want to invoke this. Do I want this to be, you know, some sort of like singleton class? Do I need this to be, you know, like flesh out, give you perspective, let you understand how things should work. Um, it's very so that's that's one thing. Uh, feature documentation. This is kind of uh, self-evident. Um, if you write those, uh, there are descriptions for the next developer. If that developer is you, then you know you just helped yourself, your future self. Um, but if it's someone else, you just help somebody who probably doesn't have as much context as you to understand something 
pretty deeply. And then uh, continuing on, uh, the test uh, your developer understanding. So if you uh, if you when you when you write tests, uh, you tend to have to understand the problem a little more deeply because not only are you saying, okay, well, this is how I got it to work. You're also saying, this is how I expect it to work. You're writing code that it, you're you're forced to write code that can test this other code that you wrote. So you really have to understand the problem more deeply. And I think being able to articulate uh, the need f for the code that you're trying to write is not only a really valuable skill to develop as a, as a programmer, but it's really helpful to just, I don't know, have a better understanding of your own system um, and your own domain. So yeah, testing your developer understanding. Uh, quality assurance, uh, because manual QA is error prone, I think that was like the, the most obvious one. It's just like manual QA is just you know, you're not you're not going to be able to catch everything. And then the last one is to is basically a confidence issue. So he's he calls it continuous delivery aid. And uh, and this is really about confidence. So if you have if you have tests and you deploy to production, um, you have more confidence that your code will work. You could you could say, OK, anytime I deploy this, run my test suite. If it fails, reject the deployment. Um, and that just gives you a lot, a lot more confidence that your code's actually going to work when you get it up into the system. So obviously that's just kind of the first part of this blog post. This is a very large blog post describing like why you should test, how you should test, what's, what's a good test. Um, and we're not going to go into all that, but it's a blog post. that's definitely worth your time if you're interested in testing. And even if you're not interested in testing, I think that maybe this will give you a little bit of an idea of why the people who are so obsessed with testing are, are that way. <laughs> um, so yeah, check it out. Eric Elliott, he's, he's doing some great blog posts. I really like reading his stuff. So uh, check it out and let, let, us, uh, let us know what you think. This weekend, Sam Selikoff pushed a new version of Ember CLI Mirage. This is 0.2.0 beta 2. That's really hard to say, isn't it? No, not, not the, the third like, time Like you when you actually it. have to read out the, the beta markers and stuff, you're like dash beta dot 2. Did I say dash? No, you I didn't. Dash. You didn't. Okay. I'm saying it because I want to be, you know, I want to be yeah, clear to our listeners. Yeah. I'm just trying to be nice. That's all I'm saying. Do you have to Google this stuff? <laughs> So the uh, so the major uh, additions to this are uh, serializers. So now, when requests come into Mirage or when they when the responses go out, uh, they pass through a serializer similar to to Ember Data to you know get them in the form that you want them in. So in the the best one, the one that I'm using now is the JSON API serializer. So uh, it you know works beautifully. Uh, go check it out. Um, there's some other simple setup you have to do. Um, uh, the, it's the default, not necessarily required. You can adjust it, but Mirage has now moved from app Mirage to just Mirage. Um, so that's a simple fix. Or you can, if you want to keep it, you know, in the, the normal place, if you have projections or something set up, um, you can just change that in the in the config. Uh, you also have to define uh, models now, um, which give you some more fine-grained control of, uh, you know, how that serialization happens. So yeah, check out the new version of uh, Ember CLI Mirage. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I think you you just implemented this on uh, on a client project. Is that is that correct? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, we have a client project that's using, uh, you know, Ember is the front end, Elixir is the back end, and we're using JSON API uh, to communicate. Uh, so I was I was kind of rolling my own JSON serializer, deserializer in Mirage, and uh, and I pinged him on it, and he's like, yeah, try out O2O beta. So, and Sam, Sam's like, I got you covered. Here you go. Yeah. Here's here's the here's the right way to do it. <laughs> it worked it worked great once I actually defined a serializer. Oh yeah, I was about to say you you uh, you moved it and then didn't write the file, right? Yeah, I I like nude one up and didn't write the file, and then and then I moved the folder, which yeah. So there was That's all funny. kinds of problems. I wrote it, I wrote a serializer, and then <laughs> didn't save it. So I was like, why am I having this vim, weird vim, problem? Vim problems, dude. Vim vim yeah. problems. You move you move it, and you're like, oh yeah, it's good, and then you got that like plus sign down there. It's like, oh, this isn't written. 
Yeah, he, he knew about it. As soon as I asked him to, he was like, do you have a serializer? Like I described <laughs> the problem and I was like, yeah, that maybe I have a serializer? <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. How, how, how much time did I spend on that? Yeah, right. But yeah, anyways, uh, talking about Ember CLI Mirage, we, we, we try to mention it as much as possible. We're both, I mean, we mentioned it earlier, but we're both uh, testing Maniacs and, uh, and Mirage really helps facilitate a much better testing story. So uh, check this out. I think, especially if you're going to start working with JSON API, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. um, and, and obviously since it's beta two, I think he's looking for people to start using it and, you know, reporting bugs and trying to help, help out with uh, the process of, of making this uh, stable release. Um, and I don't know. I think it's, I think it's definitely worth your time. If you, if you are working on those things, then pull this in and, and see what you can do. Yeah. And I think one of the, the biggest things for me is that the, the, the API stories, like me, me being able to kind of like write the Ember app to the API I want and then hand off some documentation, which I'm, I'm sitting right next to my pair, but you know, they're, they're writing an API and, and I'm kind of like, we're kind of splitting on this and I'm writing the front end and helping with the API. Uh, and I can be like, uh, here's, here's the JSON API document structure that I want. Um, there's a couple of things that are, are weird about JSON API that, um, are not necessarily implemented in all, uh, serializers, like how errors are handled codes and things like that. Uh, validation errors was a weird one. Um, authentication. Uh, so we have, uh, OAuth authentication. And so how does that interact with JSON API? So there's a lot of things that's nice to be, for me to be able to quickly kind of iterate on the API I need in the Inver side and then just say now go actually implement it in elixir which is going to take a little more time than than the javascript side extolling the virtues of ember mirage yeah it's amazing yeah i love it i love it <laughs> absolutely love it all right cool so check out check out beta 2 and uh and yeah let, let sam know anything you find and um if you guys have any questions or want to discuss this uh off 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 air uh you can ping us on uh, our twitter at ember weekend Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter, or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend. <laughs>